you got to question everything. I mean, I'm not saying you have to debunk everything or try to argue everything, but you have to question everything at this point. That's it. Welcome to the common sense theory, baby. Common sense, that's all we ask. Let's go! All right. So welcome to the common sense theory. Um, today I'm going to be talking a lot about um, the cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse events report that Pfizer let out. Um, they initially were going to try. They had petitioned to not have to release it for 70 years. Um, and then they were told they had six months. And um, ironically, they released the report the day the Ukrainian-Russian war began. So um, we're all used to this kind of scenario where um, if there's something else going on, they, people pass laws all the time at midnight, 1159, when the least amount of people are going to be paying attention to it. So that seems to be the case here. They thought, oh, there's a war. Let's slide this puppy out. And um, hopefully it'll go fairly unnoticed. So let's see. Where, I mean, where do I begin? I read the whole thing. Front and back, it is 28 page, 29 pages in total, and there's an extra eight pages that are single-spaced of all the side effects that they found from the first 13 million shots that were given out. So there's about, this is only from December 14th to February 28th, 2021. That's when this report is from. So it's from the f day of the first shot given to February 28th, so a little bit over a month. And um, there was thir approximately 13,800,000 shots given in that time period. So let's just talk a little bit. And in this report that Pfizer released on its own, um, in the general overview section, which is table one, they, they found, um, as shown in figure one, which strangely is blacked out, the whole chart is just one that you can see very little bit of it, but there's these huge black lines through both the charts. But the table shows most commonly over 2% reported. So it's not under 2%, it's over 2%. Um, in relevant cases, um, all of it together in the overall database of general disorders and administrative site conditions, um, nervous system disorders, muscular, skeletal, and connective tissue disorders, gastrointestinal disorders, skin and substantial tissue disorders, respiratory, thoracic, and mediastinal disorders, infections, infestations, injury poisoning, procurable <laughs> complications, investigations, and death. So out of the 13,800 shots, 800,000 shots that were given in their report, which is only what they've reported, there were 139,888 serious cases. That's approximately 1%. So breaking that down more so, that's one in every 100 person. Now, earlier or later on in this description, there's an important potential risk table, which is table number five vaccine-associated enhanced disease, which they call VAED. And at the very bottom of the description, which on almost all the other ones, it says, this cum cumulative case review does not raise any safety issues. Surveillance will continue. 
Well, in this particular one, it says remains a theoretical risk for the vaccine based on current evidence. Um, so that's just gone completely under the radar, which is a little worrisome to me. But another thing that I read that is on the historyofvaccines.org, which has a lot to do with the CDC and WHO, um, right out of the gates when you read it, first now, now that COVID's happened and this whole thing's happened, there's a huge disclaimer saying everybody's taking this website out of context. No, they're not. What they're doing is reading the data and then reading this data and realizing that the data doesn't line up. And they're, they're claiming that's out of context. So what it is, it's a, it's a big disclaimer because this quote-unquote vaccine does not fit the narrative of any other vaccine ever. First off being that the very first line of this historyofvaccines.org website talks about the development of vaccines. And I quote, vaccine development is a long and this is in bold letters, complex process often lasting 10 to 15 years and is involving a culmination of public and private involvement. So we're on. By the time almost 14 million people had a shot, there was maybe six months of any kind of development. Um. Also, there's different stages. There's an exploratory stage, which is basic lab research, and that usually lasts between two and four years. That's, this is prior to anybody getting a vaccine. Two to four years. Preclinical stage. So that's before anything. Again, this is after basic lab research is two to four years. The preclinical stage is one to two years. Then they have to get an IND application. That takes about 30 days. And then there's vaccine trials. There's phases one through three. Phase one usually takes about 20 people. And then by the time phase three is, there's tens of thousands of people. Um, but in this vaccine trial scenario, if one person has a, an acute reaction or a very serious response out of 10,000, so that's 0.0001%. If that is detected, then they have deemed that there needs to be more testing. So then they move to another round where it was required that at least 60,000 participants take place so that they could get more data. <clears throat> so in the past, if a vaccine, if somebody had a adverse reaction, one in 10,000, they said that there needed to be more testing. And in this vaccine, there's one in a hundred adverse reactions. It's 1%. <laughs> and they used to use 0.0001% as the hash mark where you needed to have more data and much more research done. I don't know how this has gone so under the radar and that they think that this is okay to try to make mandatory for all these kids in the world. You're talking about one in 100 are going to have an adverse reaction. That means how many Facebook friends do you have? Say, let's say everybody you know, average 500. That means five of your friends, no matter what, for sure, 
will get a debilitating problem and potentially die. um, And this is Pfizer's report, which, by the way, there's numerous cases in here that I underlined where they've removed them from the test because they had either gotten COVID after the first shot, gotten COVID after they had had a booster, or they had severe reactions that Pfizer deemed that they couldn't necessarily correlate having to do with the shot. And you're talking about people dying as well. So that was that, that was over 500 cases that were thrown out. 576, I believe, is the exact number. But let me just read to you figure one in terms of the, the containing greater numbers of over 2% of events in the overall database where general disorders and administrative site conditions happen. That's 51,335. Nervous system disorders, 25,957. Musculoskeletal and connective tissue disorders, 17,283. Gastrointestinal disorders, 14,096, which some of which I have heard through doctors that those gastrointestinal disorders were actually deaths because they're saying gastrointestinal, that's a very broad statement in terms of these kind of um, event reports. Um, Skin and tissue disorders, 8,476. Respiratory disorders, 8,848. Infections, Infections and infestations, uh, that's frightening, 4,610. And injury poisoning and complications, 5,590. And other investigations that needed to be done and they couldn't really figure it out, 3,693. That adds up to 139,888 cases, which is 1%. Um, Man, and the list of what is going on is, is pretty frightening here. I mean, there's events reported that are over 2% is pages, drug ineffectiveness, pain, um, sight swelling, influenza, actually getting COVID from the shot, myalgia, pain in extremities, atrogalia, headaches, dizziness, blah, 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 rash priorities, um, hyperhidrosis, blah, 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 applying the algorithm. So here's the other thing. In order to get these numbers, um, Pfizer states that they're in their search strategy, they're applying the med DRA algorithm. So to me, once an algorithm is put in place, you're not really counting exact people. You're using an algorithm to get answers that you like, right? Or maybe not. But in my common sense brain, not being a doctor, not having any much, much medical history other than my stepfather is a doctor. So I was around it my whole life, but, um, certainly not an educated doctor but you know when i'm just thinking about it it's uh it's very strange to me um so in 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 another part of this description of missing information that's table six um they say about a thousand cases retrieved in the database they were excluded from any analysis upon review because they could not consider the true lack of efficacy in the actual shot. And the reason they couldn't figure out efficacy is because these people all got COVID from getting the shot. 
It's another strange um, concept is that they just threw that out of the data because, the, I mean, they couldn't figure out the efficacy. It's because there was none. It was not effective, which is a little odd to me. So um, another part, the cardiovascular area, which is table seven, which is myocarditis and cardiac failure, cardiac acute failure, cardiogenic shock, coronary artery disease, myocardial infrastructure, all this stuff. 3.3% of them had had something to do with that. Um, so I can go on and on. It gets kind of fucking boring. But um, my, main, my main concept and the, the main thing I want to get across to people is that in past vaccinations, there was reason for concern with 1 in 10,000 people getting a side effect, the 0.0001%. This one has proven and shown in their own report that it's 0.1% of the people are having serious side effects. And these side effects, <laughs> there is nine pages of single-spaced, full-page coverage. It's called Appendix 1 of the Cumulative Analysis of Both Authorization Adverse Events Report. And um, I looked up, you know, there's been so many people getting blood clots and <clears throat> having brain aneurysms and, and young athletes falling over and dying. And again, I'm not saying that they're correlated, but it does seem a little odd that more people, specifically young people, are having blood clots, brain aneurysms. And I looked at most of the, I went through um, <clears throat> these side effects. The list of adverse events of special interest is what they call them. And there's different names for blood clots um, throughout the whole medical community, but acute respiratory distress syndrome, acute respiratory failure, antiphospholipid syndrome, atrial thrombosis, that's another word for blood clot, um, cardiac failure acute, cardiac ventricle thrombosis, uh, carotid arterial Embolus, which is another word for blood clot, just depending on where the clot is. Um, multifocal osteomyelitis, that's another word for blood clot. Chronic respiratory failure, embolic stroke, another blood clot. Um, I'm, I'm flipping these pages now because it's like there, it's nonstop here. Pulmonary artery thrombosis, another blood clot, pulmonary embolism, pulmonary fibrosis, pulmonary hemorrhaging, pulmonary thrombosis, thrombosis, um, renal embolism, renal vein embolism, retinal artery embolism, these are all blood clot related, severe acute respiratory syndrome, severe myoclonic epilepsy of pulmonary, I mean, and thrombophlebitis, that's another blood clot, thrombosis, blood clot, Thrombosis cerebral infarction, infarction um, thrombosis stroke, the list goes on and on. So I just want to conclude with, I would highly recommend everybody print this out and read it for yourselves so that you can really see what, what was going on um, in terms of the testing. I would go to um, historyofvaccines.org so that you can see how in the past vaccines have been treated how they've gone through testing, um, what we need to do and continue to do to be safe with these vaccines. And please, again, if you're 
a vaccine advocate, that's fine. But you should, even then, you should be worried about how they handled this. This has not gone through the, the correct hoops by any means. And 1% is a big number. That's a big number. I'm not willing to risk that with my kids. Um, 0.0001 was what they weren't willing to risk prior to this. Now they're willing to risk 0.1. That seems very, very shady and odd to me. I'm sorry to keep harping on this, but now that this report came out and I was able to read it myself, it's really disturbing um, that they're trying to mandate this to put in our kids. So by the way, it's been over two years now. My kids are in school. There's no mask. There's no nothing. Um, they both had like head colds last week. Um, I got sick. I had a head cold for like a week. Um, but again, no aches, no fever, no nothing. They were back out there and... If everything's okay and these kids are doing okay through the pandemic, getting COVID, do you really think it's worth that 1% to now give them a vaccine that one out of 100 are going to have a severe reaction? And, and by the way, this is not a reversible thing. Once the mRNA is in you, it's in you. So that blood clot can happen anytime, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And if they're talking about giving boosters every six months or every year to every kid that has to go to school... All we're doing is upping the ante on that. That number's going to climb, in my opinion. Um, that's how my brain, common, common sense to me. Oh, you keep, you keep putting more and more into this. Well, potentially, that number's going to keep going up and up. Maybe not. Maybe I'm totally out of my league on this. But um, I, I cannot stress enough that this should not be mandatory for children. Older people that are at risk, hey, it's worth taking that 1% risk. But 1% has never been the risk factor. It's been 0.0001%. That was the factor of risk. One in 10,000 made people question it and want more testing. Now it's one in 100. And all we're trying to do is push this vaccine, not do more testing. Question everything. That's it.